Shalom, and welcome to Via Hafta Yisrael, a Hebrew phrase which means you shall love Israel. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as our teacher, Dr. Baruch, shares his expository teaching from the Bible. Dr. Baruch is the senior lecturer at the Zera Avraham Institute based in Israel. Although all courses are taught in Hebrew at the Institute, Dr. Baruch is pleased to share this weekly address in English. To find out more about our work in Israel, please visit us on the web at loveisrael.org. That's one word, loveisrael.org. Now, here's Baruch with today's lesson. The Bible speaks of Messiah being a man acquainted with grief. Now, to me, that is a very significant phrase. We read about it in Isaiah chapter 53. So the Son of God, who is perfect, who perfectly did the will of his Father, whom God was fully pleased with, he was a man when he lived on this world who was acquainted with grief. And let me make you a promise that if you serve God faithfully, doing his will, you too are going to be someone acquainted with grief. Meaning this, suffering is part of every believer's life. When we say yes to God, I want to serve you, I want to walk with you, I want to be faithful to your commandments for my life. What we're saying is, we are choosing to suffer grief. That does not mean that God's not pleased with you, that you're out of his will, quite the contrary. Serving God is inviting grief into your life. And that's going to become more of a common experience for believers as we move closer to the last days. Take out your Bibles and look with me to the book of Psalms and Psalm 54. Now, this psalm was written by David. It has a longer inscription. In fact, in most uh, Bibles, the first two Hebrew verses is simply an inscription. And verse 1 doesn't start until verse 3 in the Hebrew text for other languages. What we're dealing with is all Scripture. I can't overemphasize the importance of realizing that the inscription is indeed part of the biblical testimony. So look with me to that inscription in the Hebrew text. We're going to be dealing with the first two verses where it says, to the chief musician or to the choir director, the leader who is leading others in, in reciting, chanting, singing this psalm in a, a meeting of worship. So to the chief music director, and then we have a term which means to play music. Some of the scholars see this as referring to a musical instrument. So it's a verb for playing music, but here it's in a noun form. So it may be referring to an instrument. Many people say a string instrument that is used for making music. So accompany this chanting, this singing of the psalm. And then we have that familiar expression where it says, maskil 
Lidavid, which means a certain type of song. It is a song or a psalm that speaks of wisdom, living with the intelligent decisions that God would have you to make. So in this psalm, we're going to learn wisdom, intelligence, knowledge in order to cause us to live a prosperous life. And when I mean prosperous life, as I've said before, it is not about earning wealth. It is about living faithfully, displaying a wealth of wisdom, doing things that shows a great amount of intelligence. So when we put this truth, the truth of Psalm 54, into our life, we're going to be living in a way that is demonstrating a wealth of wisdom, a great sum of intelligence. It's a Psalm of David, and as we move on in this inscription, and now it's verse 2 in the Hebrew text, we're going to see a specific situation. Many times David was was on the run. He was fleeing from King Saul because Saul wanted to eliminate his competition. He knew biblically that God had appointed David to replace him. We see this in the book of Samuel. But Saul did not want to agree with God. And in rebelliousness, in defiance, He wanted to kill David, and therefore, he was pursuing him. And with that knowledge that we see, that there were men, it says here in the Hebrew text, Ha-Ziphim, that is, the men of the city of Ziph. And we find in, in this account that these men, it says, when the men of Ziph came, and they said to Shaul, they said to King Saul, So they knew something, these men of this city, Ziph. They knew, and it says here, Halo David Mistater Imanu, which means, surely David, some will say, have not, meaning this is a fact. David has hid himself among us. So David has fled and he's hiding in this city of Ziph. The men of Ziph come, and they're giving Shaul intelligence. They're sharing with him, this one that you want to put to death is hiding in our city. Now, David, he is following God. He's being faithful to God at this time. And we see that he has many opponents, many who are working against him. Realize that. When you serve God, when you walk in obedience, there are going to be numerous ones rising up against you. That is how it works in this world of darkness, this world of sin, this world of falsehood. We are going to have many opponents. Realize that. Do not fret over it. Realize. But God's greater. God's more powerful. I don't have to pay attention to my enemies. I need to remain faithful to God and walk in his truth. It's only when I turn away from God's truth, then those things that are not part of God's will, and I realize that there's a segment of the believing community, 
and I, I'm in opposition with their doctrine. For them, the sovereignty of God means everything that happens is what God wants. False. This is not the sovereignty that the scripture reveals. There is sin. Sin is never God's will. Can God use sin for his purpose? Yes, but is that what he chooses from the beginning to do? Meaning God moves in in someone's life to lead them to do disobedience? Never, never, never. So David is walking in truth. And there are those who are defying God. Those who are working against the will of God. Will they be successful? They will not. God is going to achieve his will, but along the road, there are those who are walking in disobedience. These are these men of Zif. They come to Shaul and they say, certainly David, and it's a declaration. David is hiding, Mr. Ter. He's hiding now. It's in the present tense. He's hiding now with us. Now, next verse, literally verse three in the Hebrew text, it says, God and now David. We see the psalm being set up, this inscription telling us why David wrote it. And in light of this, what did David say? David focused in, the term here is name. You know that name in the Bible is synonymous with character. David is taking comfort in the character of God. He understands who God is, what God is like, and therefore this encourages David to remain confident. And what does he say? He says this, Oh God, in your name, he will save me. So he says, Oh God, he's making a declarative statement, in your name, save me. And it's a, a statement of confidence. David is confident that God will save him. This is in the, the past tense, we might say, for God having already done it. Has it been done? No. But David is, is admitting confidence that God's going to, to fulfill his will for David's life that David's going to be king. And he says, not only in your name, your character, but he also says, in your might or with your might. And then we have a phrase, normally, it's a word for judgment. But I've shared with you that the biblical concept of judgment can also be vindication. We all know the expression, vengeance is mine. So God puts forth vengeance, he judges, and he puts forth on those who are rebellious, those who are defiant. He puts his vengeance upon that them, and that act brings about a vindication for God's people. So he says, with your might, judge me, meaning vindicate me. Place vengeance upon them so I can receive, receive deliverance. That's what he's asking for. So it's the judgment of God that's going to bring about deliverance for David. That's why we should understand that judgment for God's people 
is a good thing. We should look forward to God's judgment, his vindication in the last days. Now move to the next verse, verse four in the Hebrew text. David says, oh God, hear my prayer. Now we're going to see another word for hear or listen in the same verse. This is the word that says God hear and the implication is God hear and respond. This word for hearing always implies taking what you've heard and acting upon it, doing something specifically. So David says, oh God, hear my prayer. And then we have this word, hazina, which comes from the Hebrew word ozen, ear. Some Bibles might say give ear to. It's just an idiom for listen. So listen to the words of my mouth. Now, what David is doing is demonstrating faith. Why? He's in a difficult position. The king, a powerful man, the armies behind him, all the resources of the nation of Israel are with King Shaul. And he is hunting one man to put him to death, David. So David is, is greatly outmatched. And, and we find that there are many people who are loyal to, to King Saul and not to David, not to King David, who's going to be king. But nevertheless, God is on David's side. And we need to understand this properly. It's not that God chooses side. I'm with David and I'm against Shaul. What we find is, is that Shaul chose to be against God. He doesn't want to walk in God's will. He's not agreeing with what God said. So he's defiant. David, on the other hand, is submissive. David wants God's will. So it's not so much that God's on David's side and not on Saul's side. No, David has chosen God and Saul has rejected him. And with that, there are consequences. And one of the consequences is that David has confidence that God will, will hear him. He says, next verse, verse 5 in the Hebrew text, for Zarim. Zarim are strangers. And this is probably, if you look at the rabbinical commentators, many of them point out this word. I mean, these are individuals that that should be part of the kingdom. They're not foreigners in that sense, but they're foreigners to God. Why? They're not operating in obedience to a covenantal relationship with God. So they are foreign from the sense they do not exemplify a covenant relationship with God. Why? They're walking in disobedience. So he says, for strangers... Now, I'm using a, a book that has the Hebrew text, and underneath the Hebrew text is a, a understanding also written in Hebrew for the words of the biblical Hebrew. So the biblical word here is the word zarim, foreigners. But here underneath it has a word oivim, which are enemies. So they're enemies of David, they're enemies of God because they're not in a covenantal relationship. For foreigners rise up or strangers rise up against me. And we have the word aritzim, 
Underneath this Hebrew word also there's the Hebrew word for aksari, which is barbaric or cruel. These individuals are cruel people. What it tells us here is that they delight in the sufferings of others. They like causing pain, causing adversity, and they are against David. And it says these individuals, these barbaric ones, these ruthless ones, they have sought my soul, which is an idiom for their, they have sought my life. They want to see David dead. That's what they want. And they want to bring it about because they feel that King Shaul will reward them, that Saul is going to, to reward them for assisting him. And then we see what the problem is. That these individuals, remember, they're foreign. That is, they have no covenant with God. Why? It says, they have not placed God before them, meaning this. They do not make decisions in regard to God. God's not part of their equation. They're not praying to God. They're not seeking his word. They don't want, want to live under, under the discernment of the Lord, his will. They go at in their direction. They walk in their desires. They are apart from God. So it's a strong statement. They have not set God before them. And to emphasize it, we have the last word of the verse, Selah, which is a word of exclamation. These people are defiant. These people do not have God as part of any aspect of their life. But David, in contrast to that, notice what he says, next verse, verse 6. Behold God, and we have something that makes this emphatic, because it switches to the present tense. And that's always a sign, a marking of some significance. Now, again, if you're looking at this, perhaps, and checking out the language, it'll have a present participle because most of the Christian community, they, they deal with Hebrew grammar somewhat differently than the, the Hebrew-speaking community does today. And I've said this, it doesn't matter what you call it, that, that definition of the grammatical construct. It's that you recognize and understand what that construction reveals. So it says here, Behold, God helps me in the present. The Lord with, and now we see how God helps him, with, we could say, the supporters of my life, my soul. Many times the word soul in Hebrew, nephesh, relates to the life of an individual, the very essence, his existence. So God helps and he does so by bringing those who support David's life. They work together. Verse 7. Now, David says something that we might have a problem with, but we don't understand the mind of God because it says here in verse 7, bring evil, meaning he will return evil to my enemies. Now, it's very important that we see here that God is bringing evil. What does that mean? They're not going to get God's will. What's God's will? 
his promises, his blessings, the fulfillment of a covenantal relationship, the outcome of that covenant. Because they reject that, they're not going to get the goodness of God. They're going to get what God does not delight in doing. God gets no joy out of extending upon people, putting on people, that which is, is apart from his will. But because he's holy, he does that. So David says, evil return upon my enemies. And in your truth, that's where David is. David walks in the truth. They walk in evilness. He says, in your truth, destroy them. Meaning this, truth, the truth of God is going to work in, in one of two ways. If you re receive his truth, implement his truth in your life, you're going to be blessed. You're going to see God's workmanship, God's provision, God's assistance in your life. But if you reject God, you do not have a covenantal relationship with him, you do not apply his truth to his life, that rejection of his truth is going to bring about destruction. That's just a biblical principle. So he says, in your truth, destroy them. Verse, verse 8, with generosity. Now, David is saying this confidently. This is what's going to happen. David knows God. He knows the faithfulness of God. And therefore, he says, because you're going to do all these things, he says, with generosity, I will sacrifice unto you. This is a term that's making offering. It is a word of worship. With generosity, I will sacrifice to you, and I will give thanks to your name, O Lord, for, and the implication is, he, meaning God himself or the name of God, God's character is good. And obviously, there's not a separation between God himself and his character. They're one. And David's saying, it is good, your character. God, he is good. And this good word has to do with this. God's going to be faithful to bring about his will. David has a call on his life. And David's saying, God, I trust you. I know that what you have for me, you're going to bring about. That your will is going to be realized in my life because I'm committed to it. And these enemies, these opponents, these, these aliens to the covenant of God are not going to be victorious. My vindication will come. Now look at verse 9, our last verse. Now, this is a verse that you would be wise to write down, to read daily, to, to meditate upon, to place it within your heart. Because it's a wonderful verse. Simply says, Ki me hitsilani. Which means this. From all trouble, from every aspect of trouble, he delivers me. This word, hitsil, can be a word of rescue. So from all trouble, every troublesome thing, it says here, he rescues me. And then it says at the end, my eye, 
has seen. And the implication is the, the retribution of my enemy. That's the, the implication. God's going to deliver me, rescue me from any sign, any experience of trouble. In the end, now that doesn't mean he won't suffer. But in the end, he's going to experience deliverance. God's going to bring him out of that situation. And the enemy is going to to experience the retribution of of God's vindication for David. And that that experience of of the, the child of God's vindication is going to be experienced by judgment and God's vengeance upon the enemy. That's what he's saying here. David is confident, my eye will see what God's going to do with the enemy, my enemy. Now, let me just simply conclude this short psalm by saying this. David is walking confidently. David has assurance. There's there's nothing in this psalm that, that David is saying, you know, do I want to, to walk with God? Do I want to be committed to the will of God? Am I wanting to, to obey God's plan for my life? David is. And it's David's commitment to the will of God that, that gives him confidence about God's work in his life. God delivering him. God judging and destroying his enemies. So the more committed you are to the will of God, the more assurance you're going to have. So my obedience, my commitment to the things of God brings about a change of my perspective. It brings about assurance. It causes me to focus in on the faithfulness of God to bring about the fulfillment of his promises. And we see for the believer There is an inherent relationship between the will of God and the promises of God. It is God's will ultimately for you to receive all of his promises. If you're motivated by that, that faith is going to cause you to walk in obedience to the will of God. Because you understand when I'm in his will, I'm going to be reserving the promises of God in my life. God will bestow them upon me in his time, in the right location, when God deems it appropriate. And that gives us that confidence. And therefore, that confidence, when we we exemplify it, the world doesn't understand it. The world thinks we're crazy. The world thinks that that we are, are confused because we're not motivated to make unrighteous decisions like the world does. We make righteous decisions because we know there's a connection between walking in righteousness and receiving the promises of God. So Psalm 54, a short psalm, but a powerful psalm that that shows forth to us the confidence of David. Let us have that same confidence as we walk in the will of God. Shalom from Israel. Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. 
Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus, as you walk with Him. Shalom from Israel. Thank you.